ever struggle with God's timing? I think we all do. Sometimes we wish that God would speed things up. Other times we might wish that God would slow things down. But the fact is, God's timing is always perfect. And if we can learn to live in God's timing, we're going to live much more peaceful and much more contented lives. My name is John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, I'm going to be sharing a lesson I learned one morning while I was eating breakfast. And this turned into a sermon that I preached one Sunday night to our congregation. And it was well received on that night. And I hope it will be a blessing to you as you listen today as we think together about God's timing. If you have a God consciousness, it just makes life more fun and it makes it where God will speak to you and you will hear from Him and you will see God in little things in life that you never would have seen God in if you didn't have that God consciousness. Now, I had this experience the other day. About a month or two ago, I was home one Sunday morning and normally for breakfast, I would either eat eggs or I would eat oatmeal or something like that. But on this particular Sunday morning, I was running late I didn't have time to do any of that, and so I said, well, I'm going to just eat a banana and then go to church. And I looked on my kitchen table. I just bought bananas a day or two before, and all the bananas I had were green. And I thought, well, you just do what you got to do. And so I took the least green banana of all the green bananas, and I peeled it open, and I bit into it, and I made a face that I haven't made in a long time. Because that banana was just horrible. And I, I ate about one bite, and I just threw it away. And I think the whole day I was at church, I had a mean-looking face on me. Because that banana just wasn't ready. And I thought, as I finished it, that one bite, and I threw that banana away, and then I thought about it several times since then, that banana, now think about this. You may have never experienced God speaking to you through a banana. <laughs> but I did on that particular day. And when I ate that bite, it was like I thought to myself, that banana just wasn't ready yet. And then I thought, you know, that's how life is. Sometimes in life, we want to do something, but the time's not right, and it's not ready, or we're not ready, and the banana's not ripe, and the time's not right, and if we're not careful, we can just bite into something before the banana is ripe, and when we do, it's never right. And so that's, that's what I was thinking that Sunday morning when I drove to church. And since that time, I have thought, not only, I know somebody read that I was preaching on the tale of three bananas, and they texted me the other day, they said, John, you're obviously out of sermon material if you're preaching on bananas. <laughs> but stay with me, because I actually think this is going to be a good one tonight. I thought, you know, there's three kind of bananas. There's, a, there's green bananas, there's brown bananas, and then there's yellow bananas, the kinds you're supposed to eat. And I thought, you know, through all of the, each one of those types of bananas, these, these bananas, each of these, if you're God, if you're God, if you are God conscious, if you try to think about God and you just think about God, I'm telling you, as I look at these three bananas, I see 
something about God, and these bananas say something to me about God. The, the, the green banana says two words to me. First of all, not about God, but just about breakfast or, or a meal. This banana says to me, not yet. Everybody say, not yet. This banana says to me, too late. I mean, this banana has had its better day, right? Everybody say, too late. Now, this banana, in fact, I just about can't wait to get home tonight. Actually, I ate another one right before I came, so I would be loaded down with potassium. But uh, I ate the cousin of this banana right before I came. But this banana says to me, just right. Say that with me. Just. Now, I'm going to see if you're listening tonight, and I want to see, what did the green banana say? Not yet. What does the brown banana say? Too late. What does the yellow banana say? just right. Now, think about that and apply it to your life. Sometimes in life, you want to do something, and God says to you, not yet. Sometimes God tells you to do something, and you don't do it, and later on, you look back on it, and it's like that experience is saying to you, or God is saying to you, too late. That opportunity has gone and passed you by. Sometimes you're looking at a situation or something, and it's like God says to you, and in your heart, you'd, it's just right. It is just time for me to do this, to make this decision, to take this step of faith. I've waited. I've been patient. I've not gotten ahead of God, but now the time is right. And if I don't act, one day I'll look back and regret my refusal to act just like I would have regretted acting too quickly. And so remember this, one of the greatest statements I ever heard about this whole subject I'm talking about tonight is is this statement. With God, timing is more important than time. Think about that. Timing is more important than time. Say that with me. Timing is more important than time. Why? Because to God, time means nothing. God, is, God lives outside the realm of time. So, you know, God, I think sometimes God acquiesces and God accommodates our, the fact that we live by a calendar and it's June and it's 2016. So he accommodates the fact that we live in the realm of time. But since God's outside the realm of time, he's not so concerned about the time. He's concerned about the timing and what we've got to do. One of the most important things to learn in the Christian life is when is the timing right? When do I wait? When do I step out? When do I hold back? When do I push forward? God, I need to know your timing. Now, having said that, if you'll open your Bibles tonight to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Only one verse tonight for this sermon. But it is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, written by Solomon, the king of Israel, David's son, the, the wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus himself. And Solomon gives us a tremendous insight on God's timing. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. Solomon said this, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Now again, the first phrase says, To everything there is a season. It's interesting, the NIV translates that there is a time for everything. The Living Bible translates that there is a right time for everything. The New American Standard, which is the most literal translation we have, translates that phrase, there is an appointed 
time for everything. There's an appointed time. And so tonight, if you're here and you're thinking about getting married, you're thinking about where you're going to college, you're thinking about buying a house, you're thinking about changing jobs, you're thinking about buying a car, you're thinking about making an investment, you're, you're just thinking about making some decision. The Bible says to you tonight, through me, there's an appointed time for everything. And if you act too quickly or too early, you're going to have the same experience that I had with that green banana. It's not yet. It's the time's not right. It is not ripe. But if you wait too late, you're going to miss your opportunity. And so as you're looking at that decision, you have to say, now, God, I want to make the right decision in the right timing, but I need you to help me to know when the timing is just Right. Now, the first thing we need to understand tonight is that sometimes God tells us to wait. And we talk a lot about waiting. The Bible talks a lot about waiting. The Scripture says, wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. God works on behalf of those who wait on Him. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so all through the Scripture, we read the importance of waiting on God, not getting ahead of God. I've written a booklet, When God Says, Wait. Because God, many times in life, we find ourselves in the waiting room. And we might want to do something or maybe think we should do something, and yet in our heart, God's not giving us a green light. And we say, okay, I have to just wait. The time is not right. All the way through the Bible, we read, we read about people that God told what to wait. For example, God told Moses that he was going to be the rescuer of the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. But God didn't use this word. But basically, God had communicated to Moses, I have, I have a plan for you, but you've got to wait on my timing. Moses got out of God's timing. He killed an Egyptian, and he never should have done that. And he ended up paying the price for it. Abraham... God said to Abraham, Abraham, you're going to have a son. You and Sarah are going to have a son. Abraham was 75 years of age when God made that promise. And even at that age, Abraham was thinking, God, there's no way. I'm 75. My wife is 65. There's no way that, that we're going to have a son. Did you know Abraham waited 13 years? 13 years. And he still didn't have a son. And so Sarah said to him, go in to our maidservant, Hagar, have relations with her. She'll become pregnant. The child will come through her. We'll raise the child as though it is ours. And maybe this is what God had in mind. So a lot of times when you hear that preached, you think, you know, everybody always preaches that Abraham didn't wait on God. Abraham waited 13 years. That's a long time. He waited. He gets no credit for waiting 13 years. But he waited 13 years. He got out of God's time. He, did, he didn't wait long enough. It took that promise 25 years to be fulfilled. A quarter of a century. Abraham had to wait before Sarah conceived, and the two of them together had Isaac, and the blessing came Abraham, not Ishmael, but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God said, Abraham, you got to wait. And 25 years later, uh, you know, finally they, the prayers answer. So sometimes God tells us to wait. It's kind of like biscuits. If you put biscuits in the oven, and it, I think it says cook them like 13 to 17 minutes, and, you know, you put those biscuits in the oven. Now, some of you make the homemade. I mean, you get the flat. You do it homemade. I get the thing that you hit on the side of the counter. <laughs> pops open 13 to 17 minutes. But after about six or eight minutes, those biscuits start smelling pretty good. 
But what's going to happen if you pull the biscuits out at six to eight minutes? They're not red. It's, it's going to be like that banana. It's not red. So sometimes we have to wait. Now, the other side of that coin is just the opposite. Sometimes God says, you've waited long enough. It's time to act. It's time to move. Thank you for waiting. You've demonstrated obedience by waiting. You've been faithful in waiting. You've demonstrated your trust in me by waiting. But don't get to thinking, God says, that you're supposed to wait forever. You just wait until the time's right. You just wait until the banana becomes yellow, and then you act. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 14, Moses was at the Red Sea? The Egyptians were following him, and he was trying to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and to the promised land, and he got to the Red Sea, and he's thinking, God, we have a problem here. Here come the Egyptians. There's no way we can swim across this body of water. And so Moses starts praying, and he's saying, God, help us. God, you have to do something. And by this time, Moses has learned something about waiting on God. Now he's, God, I'm, what else could he have done? God, I'm, I'm asking you. I'm trusting you. I'm waiting on you. And God said something very interesting to Moses. God says, Moses, why do you cry to me? It is time for you to move forward. The waiting is over. You know, most of the time when you come to church and you hear a sermon on waiting, you leave the service and you have been reminded that you need to wait more. And so many times we do need to wait more. But tonight I'm preaching a sermon to say, yes, you wait until you get a green light from God. But once God gives you a green light, once you know the time is right, once you know the banana is yellow, you, like Moses, need to move forward and do whatever it is that God told you to do. I was talking to a minister several years ago, and he was telling me about the church, and he's no longer at this particular church, but he was telling me about the church where he was serving, and, and uh, he was just sharing with me how the church came to a point where the pastor and the staff and even the, I think most of, not all, but most of the members in the church felt like the church needed to relocate. And this man who was on staff, he was like an assistant pastor, and he said to me, he said, you know, John, when, when it became clear to us that the wisest thing for our church to do was to relocate, we knew that if we tried to pursue that, and if we brought that before the church and asked the church to pray for it and asked the church to vote on it, we knew that a lot of the people in the church had been there for a long time, and their parents and grandparents had been there, and this was going to be a very delicate issue. Well, since our church had been through the same thing, you know, 20 years ago or more, I felt I was very interested in this conversation. And so he said, you know, John, we made a decision. And he said, in retrospect, we made the wrong decision. He said, but we made a decision not to rock the boat. And we made a decision not to relocate. And he said, he didn't use these words, but what he basically said was, we didn't rock the boat. But when we disobeyed God and didn't do what God told us to do, we sank the boat. Now, he didn't say it that way, but that was what was in his heart. And I said, well, what happened? He said, well, John, the interesting thing about that, years later, we had another opportunity to relocate, and we finally did actually relocate. He said, but I think it would have been better had we relocated 
the first time God told us to relocate. And he's just sharing his heart with me. And I don't know that church. I don't know that situation, what that church was going through at that time or that situation. But it, it just reminded me, you know, when God tells you as a church or as a family or as an individual, this is what I want you to do, friend. If you don't get anything else, get this tonight. You are safer going out to sea and getting in a storm with God than you would be to stay on the shore and not even get wet. I'd rather be in a, in a bumpy boat with God than to be out on the shore doing nothing. And so that man just shared that with me brokenheartedly. And I've never forgotten the story. I read another story years ago. W.A. Criswell, the longtime pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas. And uh, one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. One of the most influential pastors who ever lived. Pastored that church for so many years. 50 years, I believe. He was, in one of his books, telling a story about how when he was a young man, a young preacher, he was preaching in a revival. Like a, I got the impression it was like they used to have the outdoor. Some of you guys went to those outdoor. Uh, what do they call those? I can't. Brush Harbor meetings, outdoor revival. And it, that was the impression I got. And he preached one night about, y'all were singing about make, choose Christ, make a decision for Christ. And he was preaching on that. And he gave the invitation and he said, tonight, if there's any decision that you need to make for Christ, when we have this invitation hymn, get in one of these aisles and come forward and make your decision for Christ. They stood up and they sang, and I'm sure several came down or many came down to be saved and others were making decisions, and I'm just reading this. And he said about halfway through the invitation, an elderly man, probably in his 90s, I don't know the exact age, but that's the impression I got, an elderly man came walking down the aisle as best he could at that age and he finally got to the front and Dr. Criswell was there to welcome him and Dr. Criswell said the same thing we say I'm sure when somebody comes forward thanks for coming what's your decision that's what I say thanks for coming if you come forward tonight if you come to me I'm going to say thanks for coming what's your decision I'm coming to join the church I'm coming to get saved I'm coming because I need to be baptized whatever the decision is I don't know if Dr. Criswell used those words, but that was the spirit of it. Thanks for coming. What's your decision? And this man up in, up in years said, Preacher, when I was a young man, God called me to preach. And I didn't do it. And he said, when I got a little bit older, God was still calling me into the ministry. And by this time, I guess he had family responsibilities. And he's, you know, certainly worried about the finances and all. And he said, I didn't do it. And he said, in my midlife, I felt God still calling me and I didn't do it. And he said, tonight, I am moved by your sermon. And tonight, preacher... I come to surrender my life to preach. And I was reading that, and I thought, well, how beautiful. Praise God. It's wonderful. He finally did it. And I thought Dr. Criswell was going to write the same thing in his reflections on this man's decision. And here's what Dr. Criswell said. Now, this is one of the most influential pastors in American history. One of the greatest Christians who ever lived. Dr. Criswell said, As I looked at that aged man, 
I thought to myself, what life? What life? God called you to preach back yonder, and you said no. And now you're coming to the end, and you're doing what you should have done at the beginning. And Dr. Crystal said, I thought to myself, what life? Your best days are over. When I read that, because I always come at things, and I know Dr. Criswell did too, but I always come at things very redemptively and very, I try to from a perspective of grace and it's never too late. And all. When I first read what, he, what Dr. Criswell thought, I thought to myself, man, that just seems kind of hard. I mean, the man is coming forward to surrender his life to preach. I mean, yeah, he should have done it earlier, but he's doing it now. But as I've thought about that through the years, I don't think Dr. Criswell said that to that man. He just said he thought it to himself. I, I have thought to myself, reflecting on that story, even if that sounds harsh, it's true. I mean, at 95 years of age, how do you begin preparing yourself for a life of full-time Christian ministry? And so, to pull this story back in to where we began tonight, I think in, if, if Dr. Criswell is right, when that man made that decision that night, there is a sense, there is a sense in which God said, what are the two words for the brown banana? Too late. Too late. Too late. Now, Say, well, John, I really appreciate you leaving us, leading us out of here tonight on an upbeat note like that, man. <laughs> Too late for me. My, I'm a brown banana. Well, if you're 95 years old and God called you to preach when you were 18, I just would say it's probably too late. To do, now, I, I would do what that man did and say, God, let's, let's I mean, maybe, it, maybe Chris was wrong. Maybe it's not too late. There will come a day. And maybe, you know what? Maybe it's not when you're 95. Maybe it's when you step out into eternity. When you step out into eternity, for sure it's too late. Now, we could argue whether 95 is too late or not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That's between you and God. But I'm preaching this sermon tonight to say, if in your heart you feel that God is leading you to make a decision, and in your heart you know that the time is what? The time is right. You need to make that decision. Now, as far as salvation is concerned, say, John, I'm 95 years old and I never have gotten saved yet. Is it too late for me? Friend, it's not too late to get saved until your heart stops beating. The Scripture says, seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. The Scripture is implying there's coming a day where people will seek God, but He will not be able to be found. It will be too late. And people will call on God for forgiveness and mercy and grace and salvation. But God on that day will not be near. Well, it's true. One day it will be too late to be saved. That's why we need to seek the Lord now. Today is the day of salvation. And so, if you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, let me lead you in a prayer where you can get that settled right now. Wherever you might be, if you'll just pray this prayer, say, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart, forgive my sins, and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me, and I trust you to do it. 
Welcome to my heart, Lord. Thank you that you'll never leave me. And thank you that today has become the day of my salvation. In your name I pray, amen. And friend, if you prayed that prayer, it's true. Jesus Christ has forgiven your sins. He has come to live in your heart. Today is the day of your salvation. You've just been born again. Today is your spiritual birthday. And I want to just say to you, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. And I just encourage you to get in a good church near to where you live, a church where they teach the Bible and where the people love one another, and you'll begin to grow in your relationship with God. I would also encourage you to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. There are some helpful resources. There are sermons you can listen to, booklets you can read that will help you grow in your Christian faith. And I just want to thank you today for listening to our program. I hope it's been a blessing to you. Hope you have a great week, and we'll look forward to being with you next time on this same station. God bless you.